Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Can I just say it's lovely to see you all on this very grey and drizzly day, but um, we've got daffodils and we've got spring in here, even if not outside. My name is Tricia Marnham. My husband is vicar of St. Michael's, and uh, somebody in the congregation describes me as the vicarine, but I don't really like that at all. <laughs> Anyway, it's great to see you, great to see you, and I want to particularly welcome Roger Simpson, who is a long-standing friend. I no longer say old friend, but uh, we, almost, <laughs> we almost worked together uh, many, many years ago in London, and uh, it's great, Roger, to have you here. And without further ado, actually, I'm going to hand over to Roger, and he's got some team members here. Actually, before we start, could I just ask, please, could you put all mobiles... <laughs> So we, so we have a moment to put mobiles on silent. That would be so kind. Anyway, lovely to see you, Roger. Thank you so much for coming. Great. Well, it's very, very good to be here. And uh, we've, we've brought a, a little team with us from York. Have, have, have any of you been to York? Nice place. Do you like York? And uh, so I used to live in London. My wife and I lived in the West End of London. And... Um, but we love living in York, and we work in a church there, and actually I work a bit with the Archbishop. So, And we're here for the whole week. We're, we've got lots of different events, and this is one of them, and we're so delighted you've come, and I hope that you'll just really just relax. You can relax, and it, you'll, I hope you'll enjoy what we're going to do. And I'll be interviewing a couple of the team later on. Uh, but I, I was trying to think, I always like to start with a joke, so you've got to laugh, uh, I was trying to think of it, because I am the one, have you noticed, I am the one man here, actually. It's, just, it's quite brave. <laughs> but I was, saying, I was saying to Tricia, because I loved my mum so, so much, I always think of ladies as my friends. So, you know, anyway. So I, I think you'll like this. This was a story I came across about three guys who were in a pub in the East End of London. And uh, they were chatting together in the pub around the table about how much, could we turn them off, uh, how much control they had over their wives. Uh, so two of them were doing all the talking, and the other one, the third one, was very, very quiet in the conversation. And so eventually, uh, one of the two had been doing all the talking. He turned to the one who was very quiet, and he said, well, you haven't said very much. What about you? How much control do you have over your wife? So he thought for a bit, and then he said, well, he said, the other day, my wife came to me on her hands and knees, and they went, wow, what happened next? So he took a swig of beer, and he said, she said to me, come out from under the bed and fight like a man. <laughs> so that about describes my wife and I, actually. <laughs> No, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> now, um, the title that we've got for this talk is A Life Worth Living. And uh, I think we all, we all want that, don't we? We all, we all want to have a life that's worth living. I think everybody wants that, actually. Uh, there's nobody that, that I've met who doesn't want that. And, and I, I find that if, if you're going to have a life that's really worth living, you need a number of key elements in it. I think, I think that things that people are looking for, people are looking for love, 
uh, people are searching for happiness and there are many people who are desperate for peace. Uh, But the trouble is we often look for those things in the wrong places. They, they, I mentioned this on Sunday, but they conducted a huge Gallup poll in Western Europe, and they came up with five main conclusions. Religious beliefs were declining, morals had slumped, honesty was on the wane, happiness was increasingly difficult to find, and then this, and this is what I want to really chat to you about uh, this morning. Peace of mind is rare. Now, I find everyone is looking for peace. We want peace in our homes. We want peace in our marriages. We want peace in our families. We want peace amongst the nations. I mean, it's just desperate what's happening uh, in the world and in the Middle East particularly. We want peace in the human heart. You've all heard the cry, the, the great human cry, if only I knew where I might find peace. And there are lots of remedies that are suggested to us about how we can find this peace. Go on a cruise. If you listen to Classic FM, which I do a lot, they seem to suggest either go on a cruise or find a new partner. Um, Some people try to find peace through meditation. Some people, probably, I don't know whether this is more true of, probably true of men and women, Some people try to find peace through work and through more activity. And some people, and I know quite a few like this in York, try to find peace through alcohol because alcohol deadens the pain. Now, if you go to the Bible, the Bible has a number of striking things to say about peace. And I want to suggest just two things uh, And I'm going to base it on some words of the Apostle Paul. When he wrote, he wrote a letter to some some Christians in Rome, and he said this. You, You may have heard this. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the two things that I want to say, and then I'm going to bring some friends up. The first thing to say is that true peace is peace with God. If you look up the word peace in a, in a dictionary, you'll find that there are various definitions. So, for example, friendly relations between individuals, freedom from noise, worry, trouble, and fears, or another definition I came across, a condition that exists where nations or other groups are not fighting. So there are lots of definitions of peace, individual definitions, domestic, inner peace, peace of mind. But what the New Testament tells us here is that true peace is is deeper than any of those, and it's peace with God. Now let me just try and explain this, because uh, it's kind of a... It's not the sort of thing you generally hear of in the 20th century, 21st century in Britain. To have peace with, peace with God is actually describing a relationship with God that is characterized not by conflict, 
but by peace. And the peace, if we're going to have peace with God, it comes from being declared not guilty or being acquitted by God. The technical term, and it's there in in the text, the technical term for this is justification. Um, Justification means that when God looks at us, when he looks at you or he looks at me, I am just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification is. When a person is justified, God looks at us and he says, that person, Roger, I treat him just as if he'd never sinned. And the root cause of this restlessness, which we have in our, in our hearts, and we see it all around us, the Bible says, is not physical. It's not where we live. You know, often people think, well, if only I lived in the country, then I'd be at peace. Or if we live in uh, Middle, Middlesbrough, if only I lived in York, Or if only I lived in another street from where I live. So it's not physical and it's not situational. It's not to do with my job. If only I had that other job or my marriage. If only I had a different marriage or my neighbors. If only I had some different neighbors, then I'd be at peace. The root cause, according to the Bible, is moral and spiritual. Now, let me just try and explain what I mean by this. There are many, many people in our society, many people in this city. There may even be some here this morning who have no inner peace because they are in conflict with God. And you and I will never find peace, real peace, until we are at peace with God. If there is a loving, personal creator who made us, he made you and me in his image, who made us to know him, to be in relationship with him, we will never find real peace, true peace, until we are at peace, until we are at relationship with him. And I think that the fundamental human tragedy is that there are so many Ordinary people, like you and I, people we work with or live alongside, who are made by God and for God, who are trying to live their lives without God. I know hundreds of people like that. I meet them all the time. And the tragedy is that until we are reconciled to God, we are his enemies. We're living in his world, but we are lost We are searching and we are empty. We are in conflict with our creator. And if we're in conflict with our creator, we will never be at peace. So that's the first thing I want to say to you. True peace is peace with God. Now, the second thing I want to say to you is true peace, and this comes from our text, true peace is peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, if we're going to have this peace with God, the only way we can find it is through the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the great peacemaker. When he was born, the angels announced his birth. Do you remember this to the shepherds uh, in Bethlehem? They said, they announced his birth with the words, peace on earth and goodwill towards all people. In other words, he was coming into the world to bring peace on earth. And when he died, one of the New Testament writers said this, he, that's Jesus Christ, made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I heard that for many, many years, and it didn't mean a thing to me. I never understood what that meant. And you may have heard those words. You know, I used to see it on billboards at stations. Christ died for our sins, and it didn't mean a thing. I just think, what on earth is that about? So I want to try and explain it uh, as simply as I can. And I came across this beautiful, I mean, it actually sort of upsets me because I've got five children and I nearly lost one of them. Actually, he's the one who is here with his wife at St. Michael's and we just, we nearly lost him when he was a little baby. And I came across this story about a little girl and it's a true story. She was called Liz and she was suffering from a very rare and serious illness. And the only chance of her recovery was a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother. Because miraculously, the brother had survived the same disease and he had developed antibodies which were needed to, to basically heal the illness, to combat the illness. So the doctor took the little boy on one side and he explained the situation and he asked the little boy, would he give his blood to his sister? And the little boy hesitated and he took a deep breath and then he said this, yes, I'll do it if it will save her. And as the transfusion progressed, he lay in bed next to his sister And he was smiling. They were all smiling. The family was smiling as they saw the color returning to her little cheeks. Then his little face grew pale and his smile faded. And he looked up at the doctor and in a trembling voice he said, Will I start to die straight away? And the little boy misunderstood the doctor. He thought that he had to give his all to save his sister. He loved his sister so much that he was willing to die instead of her as her substitute. Now, he didn't have to die. But God did. God had to live Give, so I'm sorry, I just. God loves you so much that he came to the earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and he actually did die for you and for me. He died in our place. He actually died 
as our substitute so that we could be forgiven and set free. And Paul says in this wonderful text, he says because of this, because of Jesus Christ's death for us, we now have access into God's presence and his grace. Now, what I want to do is uh, really just try and how does this work in practice? So I'd like D to come up. Where's D? Um, I thought it'd be, because you probably expect me to say all this because I'm a clergyman and you probably think, well, he's paid to say this sort of stuff. <laughs> now, D. I'm, I'm fighting back tears. Oh, well, D, D is not, she's not paid to say this because actually you're not a clergyman, are you, D? What do you of do? Of I am. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you're, you're a, a normal, real person. Yeah, I am a real person. That's why I'm crying. Oh. Well, tell us, tell us what you do. Um, I work for Virgin Atlantic, so I'm an air hostess for them, part-time, mum of two. Yeah, and you're, but you don't just work with ordinary people like me on the flights, do you? You work with the sort of... Uh... Well, we get all sorts of people. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah, right. and, uh, but I do meet some interesting people that are sat at the front. And, um, yeah, we, I get to meet some famous people. Yeah. And you I were telling to... me yesterday that sometimes these... Fa- and I didn't ask you. Did you notice? I didn't ask you any of the famous yeah. people you met. But you did say that some of them want... I said, do they want to talk? And you said... Some of them don't want to, but some of them really do. Yeah. And I think because they just see you as a face, that will just chat. Yeah. And I think sometimes they have quite a lot that they want to get off their chest. Yeah. I, mean, I have some really lovely, lovely conversations with That's people. That's really great. It's really nice, yeah. Well, Dee, what I'd like to ask you a bit about is, because you haven't been a Christian for very long, no. uh, and could you just tell us what, a little bit about your life before you became a Christian? Yeah, before I became a Christian, um, I'd met my... Well, actually, I'd had a bit of a disaster life (laughs) up to meeting Warren. Um, I'd gone through one divorce, which, Mm. if anybody's been through a divorce, is not not nice. Um, And I was a little bit lost at that point. Um, And then I met Warren, and when I met Warren, I fell fell in love with him. But... um, I wasn't ready for another relationship and because we wanted to be together and we had to have it now, we mm. moved in together and um, the relationship was a bit of a disaster actually mm. from the off. Um, <laughs> and, um, but we kept going with it, we kept going with it, kept going with it and we tried to make it right and, and then before I knew it I was pregnant with um, Bailey, our first child, um, had him and, and life was really up and down. We'd have some real fantastic times, mm. but then it'd all go really wrong again. And, you know, we were partying a lot as well. Mm. We had, you know, we were quite privileged. We had some really good experiences in life. Um, but then it'd, like, drop to the bottom again, and you'd mm. think, oh, what's it all about? And my mum had always told me that there was... Um, you know, that God existed. Yeah. She, she said, you're a Christian. <laughs> but mm. we didn't do anything Christian mm. growing up. We didn't go to church. <clears throat> Every now and again, she'd like quote bits of scripture because I think she'd sort of, she'd had a little village upbringing and so she'd gone to church as a child. So she believed, but she, she didn't, you know, continue going mm. to church. So that I knew that there was a God. Um, and every now and again, I would call on God <laughs> he was always there at the door, but I was the one that was, you know, mm. I'd use him for my convenience. So how did you then move from that to actually becoming a Christian? What happened? Um, 
Warwick, well, we, we had a few harrowing times, and that story that you just told about the, mm. the little boy and the little girl, that's what made me cry, because we nearly lost our son. Yeah. And so that was really awful. Um, and I remember Warren sat in the chapel of the church at, on that occasion, and he literally read this New Testament. In fact, we were so bad at that point, he nicked it. He nicked the New <laughs> Testament <laughs> right up. So that's how bad we were. <laughs> Um, uh, but he started searching mm. at that point, but he went right around the houses yeah. and he looked at every sort of new age religion and um, none of it fit with me because I knew there was a God, so mm. none of that fit. So every time he told me about Eckhart Tolle or these are the spiritual things, I go, oh, don't tell me, I don't want to hear it, it's mm. rubbish. But then he did join a fellowship, and unbeknown to him, it was a Christian fellowship, um, and they said to him, they said, what you need is to go on an Alpha course and get baptized. Because he was asking all these questions. Mm. And he said to me, he said, do you fancy doing this Alpha course with me? And I read the little leaflet and it was like a light bulb moment. I thought, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that. So we did it. And it was the best eight weeks of my life. And that's when things fell into place. That's when things started to change. Yeah. But it I remember you. Instant. I remember you both coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because you were on. And then, and then, um, what's happened since then? Well, since then, and, and I was trying to think about this the other day, and I thought, actually, it was probably the third week on that Alpha course, and <clears throat> you don't realise that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But mm. it must. I, I, I know. I came back from that Alpha course, and I remember being in the car. And I cried all the way home. Mm. And then I remember feeling this overwhelming joy and wanting to tell everybody about it. Mm. Absolutely everybody. And I think, you know, that's, that's sort of the changing moment. That was the changing moment in my life. I mm. wanted to tell everybody about Jesus and how I felt <laughs> differently. Mm. And I tend to do that a lot now. <laughs> so and at, even at with work, the and on, and work and yeah. amongst the other stewardesses who you time, have yeah. to manage, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And you were telling me that they're very interested. Yeah, they are. I think because people will say, oh, what are you doing this weekend or what you got planned? And, and I'll say, oh, I'm going to church this weekend. Mm. And they'll go, they'll look at me sideways mm. most of them. They expect me to go home getting smashed yes. down yeah. the local. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and they'll say, what, you go to church? Yeah. Oh. And yeah. it's also your relationship with Warren has changed. Oh, massively. Yes. Yeah. yeah, massively. He's my best friend. Yeah. And we are so on this journey together. Um, and, mm. you know, we're so in love with our life with Jesus that it's just, it is our life is so good now. Yeah. It's very different, but it's so good. I love it. Well, let's just thank Dee. That's very brave of you. Thank you. <laughs> Great. So, that's. I, I thought it would also just be good because uh, another person on the t the team has come. Would you like to come up, Helen? Is Helen? And now this is a very different story because I know we all have different stories, and I wanted to Helen just to share a little bit about because she has had great struggles, um, and, but you have found in the struggles God has been with you. Can you just share with us, Helen, on that? Okay. Um, I became a Christian when I was 17. I come from a completely non-Christian background. And you could say like, I identify exactly with Dee, that sense of joy, at knowing total forgiveness of God and having God in your life. And 
I then went to university, well, I went to the academy, then university, and during that time, I met who was then going to be the man to become my husband. And we got married. And for the first bit, it wasn't too bad, but it became very apparent that he had a control problem. Mm. So he was violent. And we had two children. And after 20 years of marriage, he also began to have a relationship with another woman as well. And the violence increased. But before I actually go there, I want to backtrack a year before the marriage finally did end. I was on holiday in Scotland with my family, and every morning I woke up earlier and earlier. Anybody who knows me would know this is most unusual. <laughs> I just about get out the door in time, it seems, usually. And this was holiday. This was, you know, your time to really relax. And so I thought, I'm going to get up. And I discovered, though I'd been a Christian and I loved God, I had a new sense of him. Every time I opened the Bible and did my morning Bible reading, it was like words were jumping out. And what really the new sense was, Helen, I love you. Mm. And one of the verses was, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. So you could say God had built up in me a confidence in him that I had never known before. So you might say when the storm hit, he already had me in that place that had brought all those promises in. When the storm hit, it was that my mother died after a long protracted illness. I was diagnosed with an incurable illness. So was my daughter. My dad was then diagnosed with cancer. And finally, my marriage did break, mm. all within the space of eight months. And I was just so thankful that God had built that in me because literally mm. there were times when I was so upset. There was no tissues. It was a towel that I would cry into because that was the only thing that could hold all those tears. And every time... I would keep turning back to God. And every time he would fill me with what I needed to know and what I needed to know about what he thought of me and also to examine myself as well because when a marriage breaks down, even though it's apparently, in this case, more was my ex-husband then, I also had to examine myself before God. And one of those was I used was a psalm called Psalm 51. And as I pray through each verse, and it's a psalm of a king before Jesus' time, about a thousand years before Jesus, that he had done wrong. And as he went through, I went through each stance of that. And it was like being totally clean. In fact, one of them says, clean me with hyssop, make me whiter than snow. And I realized that what Jesus had done on that cross accounted for my wrong from perhaps my lack of understanding of him. Whatever I wanted, it was just like that total cleansing. Mm. Now, I was a believer, and yet here I was hitting real deep problems. And yet I would say God was all sufficient. We never, ever know what life is going to bring. 
But we know one thing, God is unchanging and he did bring me through that. Mm. Not only that, I knew him even more by that and I understood him even more <coughs> that he will provide in the very, very dark times of life. I had somewhere to live. My condition was able to stabilise. Yes, it will increase with age and does still, but it was means I could manage. My daughter then got to see a top specialist and they were able to stabilise her. My dad didn't have cancer. He had something else they then found. He is really unwell now and probably die of his illness. But what I would say is that I still know the Lord Jesus, not just now, but forever. And it's not just about this life. Mm -hmm. And even though he cares for every aspect, it makes such a difference having him. I want to read these two little passages from the Bible. And this is what God wants us to know about him. Do not be anxious about anything. So he knows that we do get anxious about stuff. He's understanding. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which Roger talked about, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I can personally testify that that is absolutely true. And there is another little verse where God encourages us. Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. We can tell God anything. He knows us. He loves us. And he will carry us through. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very good. Okay, so we're going to just wind this up. Can I just say a thank you so much, Dee and, and Helen, for sharing with us. It's really wonderful. Can I say that once you have this peace with God, then you begin to be at peace with yourself. And also, he helps you then to be at peace with other people. So it all flows through. It affects everything, actually. So I'm going to just um, cl close with a prayer, uh, which is very similar to the prayer I prayed when I began this journey with Jesus Christ. Um, and if you'd like to pray with me, then you can just echo these words in your heart. Uh, if you don't want to, that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, and then after I've said this prayer, I'm just going to explain how we're going to wind up with, the, with some cards. So let's just bow our heads and um, have a moment's quiet. And I want you to, if you can, imagine Jesus Christ here. He's amongst us. And he loves you. And you've been listening to some stories about people who discovered him. And he really wants to know you and to give you this peace and to help you because he loves you. So here's a little prayer that you can pray if you're ready where you're responding.
to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Just take a, a moment to ask his forgiveness for anything particular that is on your conscience. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please, Lord, come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.